Good morning. Um, my name's Gina, and um, I have the privilege of um, speaking to you this morning, and I want to speak about uh, the tough topic of trust and obey. So I'll, I'll just quickly pray. Lord, I just pray that, um, that you will speak through me this morning, Father. Lord, that something of your heart and your spirit, Lord, will come out of my mouth by a miracle and bless all of us, Lord. In your name, Jesus. Amen. When I was, um, I grew up in um, Wakefield in Nelson, and um, I went to a little tiny wooden Anglican church, and I was a, a third of the youth group. Um, <laughs> and um, I was also an elder, can you believe that, when I was in year 13? Uh, <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> what were they thinking? <laughs> um, anyway, one of the hymns that we sung um, was Trust and Obey, and some of you might know it. Trust and Obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And that was the, that was the chorus. And I think there's a lot of truth <laughs> in those words. Um, it was written um, in 1887, and the story goes that um, following an um, evangelis evangelistic meeting um, by Dwight Moody, a young man stood up to share his story after the service and give his testimony, and apparently it became quite clear to a lot of people that he didn't know much about the Bible or Christian doctrine, but apparently his closing line um, was, well, I'm not sure, but I'm going to trust and I'm going to obey. And um, so it's a simple concept and easy to say, um, but it's going to take a lifetime to work into my life, I know for sure. This morning I'm going to just share a few thoughts and scriptures and stories and quotes about trusting God and obeying him. And I've also got a great little clip um, that I hope you'll really enjoy. So one of my favourite scriptures is in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, and this is the Passion Translation, which says, Trust in the Lord completely. Do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you, and he will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do, and he will lead you wherever you go. So I think I could probably just finish right there, couldn't I? We could, if we took that to heart and, and um, that really became part of us, you know, um, there wouldn't be any more to say. Here endeth the lesson. Um, I've got this um, quote here from C.S. Lewis, and I absolutely love C.S. Lewis. I think he, um, he was just a man ahead of his time. And another reason I really love him was because I was born on his 70th birthday. <laughs> We're close. <laughs> then the quote that I have from him is, Remember, he, God, is the artist and you are only the picture. You can't see it, so quietly submit to be painted. That is, keep fulfilling all the obvious duties of your station. You really know quite well enough what they are. Asking forgiveness for each failure and then leaving it alone. You are in the right way. Walk. Don't keep looking at it. So I find that, that trusting God, and obviously that's a journey. I mean, I just remember 
um, when my kids were little, and I just remember this word coming to me from God, just, just trust me. And, and it, it's something that just comes back over and over, because I think there's always a new level of trust where you can trust him. Um, and um, so I find that trusting him and obeying him are obviously linked with praying and talking to him. Um, downloading all my requests and my concerns and my worries and asking for his constant guidance and leading. Um, it's a quote from Liz Curtis Higgs. It says, St. Augustine famously said, pray as though everything depended on God, work as though everything depended on you. My problem is I usually focus on the second part, work, and forget the most important step, pray. Too often I turn in every direction looking for answers instead of turning to the one who has all the answers I'll ever need. Yeah. And I mean, part of, part of trusting him and obeying him is, is knowing his wonderful character. Um, and one of my favourite sayings and something I often remind myself is, God is in control. And I don't know if any of you know this, this song, but I loved this song. I'm not going to play it, and I'm not going to sing it. Don't worry. Um, I, I used to listen to this song a lot. I, I remember when the kids were little, and Dean was um, policing and was um, doing shift work, and I, I felt like I was solo parenting, to be honest. Um, and this, I used to just play this song so often, and if Dean came home and the song was playing, he knew it probably hadn't been a great day. <laughs> but the lyrics go like this. This is no time for fear. This is the time for faith and determination. Don't lose the vision here. Carried away by the motion. Hold on to all that you hide in your heart. There is one thing that has always been true. It holds the world together. God is in control. We believe that his children will not be forsaken. God is in control. We will choose to remember and never be shaken. There is no power above or beside him. We know God is in control. And the bridge goes like this. He has never let you down. Why start to worry now? He is still the Lord of all we see. And he is still the loving father watching over you and me. And um, so, you know how things, you know, God teaches you things and they just become part of who you are. And I remember um, once in church, I used to be on singers for years. Dean and I, Dean would be playing bass, so I'd be singing and our son Jordan would be on guitar or drums. And it was such a great time. And I just remember once when I was on singers, just having this word, just simple word and wanting to, and saying to the congregation, you know, God is in control. And um, a couple of weeks later, one of my really good friends, actually, who we hung out with, with last night uh, in Wellington, um, and she was in a place where um, they were about to take their son up to Starship for a major heart operation. Um, he'd had a heart operation when he was a baby. I think he might have had another one in between, but this was his real big one. Um, and she said to me, um, she said, that was just really what I needed to hear, you know, that God is in control, because, you know, obviously a really scary situation for a parent. Um, so speaking about God's character, um, this is one of my favourite quotes. Um, and what I might do, here's my friend Nerily. I want to demonstrate as well, <laughs> just for us visual learners. 
<laughs> and the quote, it's, it's a popular one, you will probably know this. A friend is one to whom one may pour out the contents of one's heart, chaff and grain together, knowing that gentle hands will take it and sift it. Keep what is worth keeping, and with a breath of kindness, blow the rest away. And here I have. <laughs> Tafa grade. I tested her already and said, do you know how to do this? <laughs> She's an expert. <laughs> you can make as much mess as you like because I promised to vacuum after. Yeah, yeah, so give it. So nearly is going to, with a breath of kindness, blow all my chaff away and just keep the grain. <laughs> yeah. So you can tell she really is my friend. <laughs> no, we don't want that. That's good. Thank you. So I think good friends are like that, but I believe that God is like that too. He believes in us, and he sees our potential and our hearts, and he is a good parent. He's the good parent. It's like, um, it's a bit like when a child brings you a painting. Um, and I remember our son um, entering a colouring competition at the Palmerston North Library. Um, he was about four, I think, and he just all he did was get this blue felt and just scribble all over the page, and um, bless the staff at the library. They gave him a prize um, because they said they liked his enthusiasm and his energy. <laughs> but um, when when a child brings you something that they made and they're super excited about it, you know, as a good parent, we we're like, wow, that's amazing. You're so talented you know I just love that thank you you can see you've really put time into that thank you I'm going to put that on my fridge um, that's how a good parent reacts isn't it we don't say to them well have you seen Picasso what do you, what do you call that you know come back in 10 years when you've got an arts degree no our God is a loving and kind and wise parent who appreciates us and loves us. And he doesn't see, well, he does see, but he overlooks our lack. And like Emma was saying, our, you know, our sin and our mistakes when we come and say sorry. He knows how we're made and he meets us right where we are. He doesn't compare us with others or even with a better version of ourselves. And I believe that could be a word for someone here today. You might need to know that God loves and accepts you, who you are and what, and what you do. He doesn't mind your imperfections. He knows the road you have walked and the difficulties you have faced. He knows the hard things you've been through that have helped to make you who you are. He understands and he loves and he accepts you just as you are. He does not reject you, but wants to embrace you. Psalm 20 verse 7 
the Passion Translation says, some find their strength in their weapons and wisdom, but my miracle deliverance can never be won by men. Our boast is in the Lord our God, who makes us strong and gives us victory. Now let's talk a little bit about obedience. Deuteronomy 11, 13 to 15 in the Message Version says, From now on, if you listen obediently to the commandments that I am commanding you today, love God, your God, and serve him with everything you have within you. He'll take charge of sending the rain at the right time, both autumn and spring rains, so that you'll be able to harvest your grain, your grapes, your olives. He'll make sure that there's plenty of grass for your animals. You'll have plenty to eat. And as we know, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you as well. In other words, the other night, Easter Green, Greenwood, is it Greenwood? Um, Easter, um, Easter from Equippers was um, here Friday before last, um, preaching to all the 850-ish youth that were here. And she was saying, you know, take care of God's business and he'll take care of yours. And the, um, the famous scripture from 1 Samuel 15, 22 says, But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. I was brought up um, to, to value working hard and doing things right. So as a young Christian mum, I really wanted to obey God for my own sake and also to set a good example to my kids. And I remember like, really feeling like I wanted to be able to give, um, give to people and um, like, particularly our neighbours, we had some pretty hard case neighbours, you could smell the smell of pot as you were hanging out the washing, um, and they were a pretty chaotic bunch, um, but we were really blessed, we lived in it, we had our own home, and we had our three gorgeous kids, who I think at the time were five, three, and one, um, but we were living on one income, so there wasn't a lot to, of extra to come and go on. I remember a few years of um, having milk powder because milk was more expensive. Um, but I really had a desire to be generous. Um, and I remember saying to God, you know, how am I supposed to give, you know? What have I, got? I haven't got anything to give. I didn't even have much spare time or energy. But, and, and sometimes you, you hear, you know, these wonderful testimonies of people that give millions of dollars and people who, you know, have time and serve others and do amazing stuff. And sometimes it can, you know, you can feel really guilty and feel like condemned. Um, but God is wonderful, the kind, kind parent. And he, he just gently said to me, you know, I don't expect you to give what you don't have. You know, what have you got that you can give? Um, and I had a couple of cabbages in the garden, and I had a big grapefruit tree, and um, so I gave those to the neighbours, and, you know, and it probably did me better, more good than them, but, you know, just that lesson that just we only have to give and be obedient with what we've got. Um, and, I, and I was able to have their kids over to play, you know, with my kids. My kids never went over there, but, <laughs> but they came over to ours quite a bit. <laughs> 
So God doesn't expect us to do everything. He just expects us to do something. And we just need to be diligent in doing the something he's asked and enabled us to do, and then just trust him with the rest. So I'd now um, love to show you this um, little clip. Um, I don't know whether you will have seen it before, but it's, even if you have, it's worth a second look. I hope you really enjoy it. One of the most exciting scientific findings of the past half century has been the discovery of widespread trophic cascades. A trophic cascade is an ecological process which starts at the top of the food chain and tumbles all the way down to the bottom. And the classic example is what happened in the Yellowstone National Park in the United States when wolves were reintroduced in 1995. Now, we, we all know that wolves kill various species of animals, but perhaps we're slightly less aware that they give life to many others. Before the wolves turned up, they'd been absent for 70 years, that the numbers of deer, because there was nothing to hunt them, had built up and built up in the Yellowstone Park, and despite efforts by humans to control them, they'd managed to reduce much of the vegetation there to almost nothing. They'd just grazed it away. But as soon as the wolves arrived, even though they were few in number, they started to have the most remarkable effects. First, of course, they killed some of the deer, but that wasn't the major thing. Much more significantly, they radically changed the behavior of the deer. The deer started avoiding certain parts of the park, the places where they could be trapped most easily, particularly the valleys and the gorges. And immediately, those places started to regenerate. In some areas, the height of the trees quintupled in just six years. Bare valley sides quickly became forests of aspen and willow and cottonwood. And as soon as that happened, the birds started moving in. The number of songbirds and migratory birds started to increase greatly. The number of beavers started to increase because beavers like to, to eat the trees. And beavers, like wolves, are ecosystem engineers. They create niches for other species. And the dams they built in the rivers um, provided habitats for otters and muskrats and ducks and fish and reptiles and amphibians. The wolves killed coyotes. And as a result of that, the number of rabbits and mice began to rise, which meant more hawks, more weasels, more foxes, more badgers. Ravens and bald eagles came down to feed on the carrion that the wolves had left. Bears fed on it too, and their population began to rise as well, partly also because there were more berries growing on the regenerating shrubs. And the bears reinforced the impact of the wolves by killing some of the calves of the deer. But here's where it gets really interesting. The wolves changed the behavior of the rivers. They began to meander less. There was less erosion, the channels narrowed, more pools formed, more riffle sections, all of which were great for wildlife habitats. The rivers changed in response to the wolves. And the reason was that the regenerating forests stabilized the banks so that they collapsed less often, so that the rivers became more fixed in their course. Similarly, by driving the deer out of some places and the vegetation recovering on the valley sides, 
there was less soil erosion because the vegetation stabilized that as well. So the wolves, small in number, transformed not just the ecosystem of the Yellowstone National Park, this huge area of land, but also its physical geography. Amazing, eh? Has anyone seen that before? Yep, <laughs> yep, few people. Yeah, I love it. Um, isn't it amazing how, you know, just one, one little change has such an amazing flow-on effect? And I believe the same thing happens when we obey God. When we do the one thing that he's asked us to do, there's an amazing flow-on effect, which we might not see, and we might not hear about it, but we can trust. And we know that his plans are good for us and for the world around us and for our community. Some of you might have read a book uh, by, by John Bevere called Good or God. Some of you might have even heard, heard him preach from bits of it um, at the Arise conference a couple of years ago. And the basic thought um, in the book is that we can be tempted to spend a lot of time doing things that are good, but not necessarily the things that God has called us to. And I believe this is where praying, talking and listening to God is so important. We need to have that constant awareness of him and what he's saying to us. Just for a random example, I've often thought, you know, I would really love to, um, to foster a child or foster a couple of children because um, I really loved raising our kids. We had lots of homestay students over 20 years, mostly long term. Um, and I just loved, you know, being there, dropping them at school in the morning. I loved being there when they got home from school. I loved, um, you know, putting the bread maker on so when they got home from school, especially in the winter, it smelled really yummy. And about 10 minutes later, Jordan would have eaten two thirds of it. Um, <laughs> but I didn't mind. I just, you know, I loved going grocery shopping and, you know, thinking, oh, this student really likes these kind of biscuits. And, you know, it was awesome. And um, so I just really poured my heart and soul into the job of being a mum and a homestay mum. Um, but I'm in a different season now. Uh, you know, um, part of my role is, is to be there for Dean, to support him, you know, however I can, just practical stuff, you know, um, and, um, and to pray for him and be a sounding board and just help him to, you know, fulfil the unique role that, that God's got for him. Um, and in this season also, I have the amazing privilege of being able to pour my time and love into you guys, um, into Lane Park Church and into the Upper Hutt community, and I absolutely love it. Um, I know we're in the right place, and we just feel really at home here, um, and it's just an absolute joy to, you know, get to know you guys um, and find out, you know, your passions and your skills and, um, and who you are. So, you know, it would be a good thing to give my time and energy to, you know, perhaps a foster child. Um, but I know it's just not the, prior the priority that God has for me right now. 
You know, so sometimes being obedient to God is saying no to some things, even good things. So in summary, um, it's really important in trusting God to talk with him, obviously, to be constantly in conversation with him, giving him our worries, asking for his wisdom and guidance, and expecting that he's going to give us answers. It's really important to realize that he is so much bigger and more powerful than we can ever understand, and that he is in control. As someone said the other day, that we know the end of the story, and we win. (laughs) We have to remind ourselves that he's our very good and perfect father who accepts and loves us just as we are. It doesn't mean he doesn't want us to change and grow, but he does love and accept us now just as we are. And when we love and trust him, then we want to obey. God will show us what he wants to do and he'll also give us the ability and the resources to do it. And sometimes obeying him and doing what he asks will require us to say no to other things that are good, but just not what he wants for us right now. I'm going to pray. Lord, I just thank you so much for allowing us to be your children and part of your wonderful family. Thank you that you have great plans for all of us. And please help us to be guided by your Holy Spirit speaking to us. Help us to be obedient to those quiet promptings in our hearts. And help us to do the thing that you've asked us to do. Maybe that no one else can. Help us to trust you more and more each day, especially when the road ahead is unclear and when we don't understand what's happening. Help us to trust in who you are and in your character. Thank you for always wanting to be our friend and for meeting us right where we're at. And thank you for loving us despite our imperfections. We love you and praise you, Jesus. Amen.